Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, where every week... Hang on, what's that noise? It's an echo. It's... Okay, everyone... Here's what's happening. Normally, this bonus episode that takes place every Friday to keep you company during this insane COVID-riddled hellscape that we're all living through. Uh, I'm actually moving house at the moment, and uh, Tegan and I were across at our old house, and because we've switched internet across to the new house, there's no internet, so I'm tethering off my phone. It's a, it's a whole thing. But, Dad, this is how dedicated we are to getting people their, their loose units every week. We decided to, you know, do an episode anyway, so... This week we're going to talk about uh, a Netflix special called American Murder, The Family Next Door, which sounds, it sounds light and frothy, doesn't it, Dad? Well, apart from the murder part. Well, um, can I just say, Paul, that um, to the listeners, my, um, my voice will probably sound top shelf. Sure, sure. Um, in that I'm, um, I'm recording as I, as I always do. I, unlike you, am not moving house today. Mm-hmm. I hope it all goes well for you. Thanks, Dad. Um, in terms of the title, um, it's it's always a bit of a sort of a soft title for me when they say next door because, I mean, if you live out in the desert or on an island where there's just you, uh-huh. obviously, obviously your nearest neighbour would be some distance away. Yeah. But, yep. I mean, I think that's a given in the title that obviously there's a neighbour, probably on both sides. What are you blathering about? Well, the title. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I mean, this is going to be fairly odd for people who, you know, haven't done their homework and watched this series. Do you think, Dad, if people have Netflix but haven't actually watched American Murder, The Family Next Door, they should pause this episode of uh, our bonus podcast, go and watch it, and then come back? Or Because, honestly, Dad, we're going to spoil things, right? Yes, like we're going yes. to give... But- yeah, but Everything we did away. give a week's notice. We, we did give yeah, we did give a week's notice, and we also gave a week's notice for the fact that people can, um, can well, you know, in about ten days, I think, ish. God, I'm so tired. We're going to be um, starting a new season of Loose Units, Loose Units Origins, where people can kind of read along with the book. But mm. listen, the basic premise of this show, Dad, is. Well, um, th- there was a murder. Uh, well, the, oh, we're not going to spoil the details, but basically, a um, a family went missing in their Colorado home in 2018 without a trace. Uh, Shannon Watts went missing, and her husband Chris uh, was the first suspect. Um, and basically, this series and the kind of crux of this series is that the whole thing appears to take place through the prism of social media. And I mean, were you? 
Were you kind of exhausted by the just density of social media coverage that Shannon was kind of throwing out there? Because I, there was not one meaningful family moment that was not just kind of put under the laser focus of Facebook, basically. Mm. Well, Paul, we all, um, we all see things through the prism of our own lives, lived lives. And from the get-go, mm. um, that woman that friend of hers, she really gave me the shits badly um, because she was so officious. I mean, honestly, if I had a neighbour like that, I'd probably move. And now, then do, you something... mean, do, you mean, do you mean the one who... I mean, the, the lady's been missing for about two hours, right? So she didn't show up for an appointment and her friend is standing there next door. She's called the police. Um, She's the one that dropped her off at 2.30 a.m., that day how how long by the way is too like how how early is too early to call the cops if you think someone's missing dad as an ex-police officer okay well my the inference that i would draw from that particular i mean it was a it was she was going for a fairly important um doctor's appointment right a doctor's appointment in relation to um a particular situation she was in shall we say what that was i suppose we should Mm. she was pregnant um, That's right, yes. The victim. Uh, one of quite a few victims, might we say. And um, But the neighbour was very... The friend. Um, I, I thought the whole thing was moving very, very quickly. Now, I know, because I've done some research, um, some extensive additional research, mm-hmm. um, because they obviously can't fit everything into a net Netflix hour and 20-minute you know, show yes. that encapsulates so much dread and horror... One of the things, Paul, is that perhaps she called the police um, almost well within hours of her last seeing her friend was that um, she knew more than the show tended to focus on in in that they were good friends and one has to assume that she had been confided in by the victim because remember that throughout the entire show, um, the text messages from the deceased are going to mainly one person. And would you concur that it may well have been that friend? Yeah, I would say potentially. And based Um, on that, that person perhaps had more reason than others mm -hmm. to have brought the police in. But did you notice that that lady's... There was another young guy at the scene... Do you remember him? And they both come yeah, up. And they, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, I remember him. I remember and do you him. remember that they both shook the police officer's hands? Mm-hmm. And then I don't know whether the listeners have noticed, but the young guy who I would describe as, um, I guess, in terms of age, he may have been maybe seventeen. Who was he? he? Well, he was the son of a neighbour that lived across the road. Do you recall um, there was that neighbour that had the CCTV footage? And he was the guy who basically called the police officer back in. And yes. the police officer, by the way, because this whole thing is taking place on camera, because the police officer had a kind of a body cam. Yep. And he calls the guy and he goes, he's, he never behaves like that. There's something mm. wrong. And he was right, obviously. But then, um, the, then the police officer did have a very, very good comeback for that particular guy and said, yes. well, look, let's face it, this is fairly harrowing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can't say, oh, he's fidgety and... He's acting out of character because at that point in the documentary, you would be acting out of character Yeah, with absolutely. all this commotion. The point I wanted to make, Paul, was that Sorry. that young guy, he was focused on the sidearm. 
of the police officer. For those people that don't pick that up and watch it again, the young boy, when the police officer first rocks up, Mm -hmm. that's the first responder, do you recall that the young boy was continually glancing down and he would have only been glancing down at his his, uh, revolver on his waist? Now, that struck me as being... Odd. That that might be an American thing, but the focus was so intense. I didn't notice that. On the firearm. That's really interesting because, I mean, typically speaking, the one thing that struck me throughout this documentary was how, how well um, the suspect was treated, how kindly he was spoken to. I mean, there are countless situations in America in, with American law enforcement where, you know, people uh, of specific um, racial backgrounds are shot in the back if they so much as flinch. Whereas this guy, like, the, the level to which there was just... this, It felt like a small town. It had, the real, it had a real small town vibe. So I don't know why, in, in a place with that kind of genial energy towards law enforcement, a young guy would be glancing at someone's firearm that much. And I'm really annoyed that I didn't notice it. Um, do you have any suspicions as to why he was doing it? Um... From a police officer's perspective, mm-hmm. um, I would say that he was um, fascinated with firearms mm-hmm. and one doesn't like to make sweeping generalisations, but I'm going to. <laughs> um, when that boy goes back into the house, um, did you have any feelings about that particular father? I mean, they were kind of... I mean, it was a bit... I thought he was a bit creepy. Okay. Um, he seemed to um, have a surveillance system and he knew every single thing that was happening on that street. Um, I think, honestly, having lived in a, in a fairly confined area, I now am convinced that every single building and every single street, in, in certain neighbourhoods anyway, do have that kind of like... It, I mean, you would say neighbourhood watch. They like to think they're civic-minded, but actually everyone's a complete perv. Like, everybody's, mm. everybody's watching everyone else. Mm. Um, well, one, one thing interesting happened, Dad... Because, I mean, they never really got to the bottom of the motive, really. And you and I had a conversation off mic about how we thought um, Chris... Is that his name, Chris? Yeah. We thought Chris was quite stupid because he didn't seem to have planned things properly and we were trying to figure out, you know, motive. And uh, this is from an article on Digital Spy... Uh, One thread that wasn't picked up in the documentary was the couple's finances. They filed for bankruptcy in 2015 with court documents showing that Chris was the main earner for the family at that time. They also had credit card debt, student loan repayments and outstanding medical bills. Shannon then landed a new job with an impressive salary which brought her independence and took her away on business trips. As shown in the Netflix show, Chris would stay home and look after the children while she was away working. This led media to speculate about whether jealousy or resentment played a role in the murders. Do you think that checks out? Um, no way. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Um, I, I, I believe, Paul, that um, the, the the sole motive mm-hmm. um, was um, his lover. You think, wait, you think she put him up to it? Definitely not. Okay. I think she's totally... Uh, Absolved. Totally, uh, yes. And she was not called to, the, to, to give evidence in the court mm-hmm. case. She, by the way... Uh, that this has completely ruined her life. Yes, she's basically gone into hiding um, for fear of uh, reprisal. Reprisals. Well, the problem is, I mean, this is one of the downsides of uh, the otherwise lovely phenomenon of true crime fans is that sometimes people think just because they're into crime and they've watched enough stuff 
that they have the skill set to basically be become armchair detectives. And then what you do is you combine that with the weaponization and the toxicity of the internet and suddenly you've got... I mean, there are so many crimes going on right now, active cases where the obsession with the cases from true crime fans and the, and, you know, the fan followings and the speculation has actually jeopardized the case because suddenly you've got, you know, like... A, I mean, court cases are meant to be pretty hermetically sealed environments, but what if you've got thousands of people on a Facebook group comparing and contrasting photographs and speculating. What if a jury sees those speculations? You know, well, they, they do. They do. Yeah. And that's why it's very difficult to get what's called a fair trial because mm. we do have trial by media. Yes. And for those people that remember the Lindy Chamberlain affair, I mean, the, the media had, uh, had, had her um, well and truly convicted um, based on some absurd, um, you know, Ideas, yeah. and imagine um, if uh, that had have happened in America, or we had the American uh, system of justice, whereby um, imagine if she had have been executed mm-hmm. and then later exonerated. Um, so the media are very, very powerful, and it's very difficult. It's it's a little bit like judges, how they're supposed to be impartial, yeah. You know, but they they are human beings as well, and they do have their belief belief systems, and um, and and we all bring to we we bring this incredible mix. But um, I was very very impressed with every police officer, both uniformed and plain clothes mm-hmm. in the documentary. Yeah. Um, I felt, Paul, that in that very first text message or maybe the second text message that he uttered prior to him arriving back at his house that morning Mm -hmm. was the rather bizarre text saying, it was three words only, and it was, um, please be there. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, 
again, that struck me the first time I saw it. I have, for the listeners' um, information, watched it um, twice. I watched it the first time, and I think everyone knows that it, I found it very distressing. But I yeah, watched we, it. We can, uh, yeah, yeah. I watched it the second time mm-hmm. cl- clinically uh, with Christine, and uh, Christine's she's she's a was a very skilled in, and still is a very skilled investigator, and she her her thoughts and her her ideas um, were not not the same as mine. She had some very interesting uh, ideas that I just... Because we all see things so differently. Um, But I... One of the things that really struck me in this um, documentary was his dramatic change in his physical state Mm. within within a fairly short period of time. Yes, and I like that the police officer um, brought that up because it it was notable. And I mean, that... You know, again, back to your point before, Dad, you said you were impressed with the police work. Tegan and I were really impressed with the ability of the polygraph lady whose name escapes me and the other guy whose awesome name also escapes me. Look at how much research I've done. Uh, And their ability to basically... um, I refer to it as almost shutting off every route of escape except for one and then making him feel like it was his idea to walk through that that, that lone door. Like, and, And you said that... In your eyes, their techniques seemed like coercion. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, for the listeners, um, every time they would leave the room, mm. sometimes one, but often both of them, would reach down and gently squeeze in Pat a very in a very paternalistic way. Mm. They'd they'd almost give him a like a reassuring, comforting um, gesture. Now, that does not happen um, in, 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 well, in the experience that I've had um, dealing with some pretty heavy crims. Mm. Um, okay, yes, you can become um, friendly, um, but not over-familiar. But there was also a kind of compassion. But, you know, he didn't have to take the lie detector test. Um, I have a feeling, from my point of view, that one of the best things you can ever do if you've committed a terrible crime mm-hmm. is um, fess up and admit to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that um, one of two things. He, he felt that doing the lie detector test, he probably knew he'd fail and that would be a gate to open and then travel down and through a process um, be, be able to eventually come to terms with what he'd done and then make admissions. If he actually believed he could beat the test, um, he would have to have done some really, really quick research, um, cobbled together some some pretty sketchy information about techniques to be able to beat it. Mm-hmm. But I... I also believed he showed very, very strong narcissistic um, and a sort of um, temperament. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the documentary the second time, bearing in mind I, I knew the outcome, it made me study his facial um, characteristics. And one thing that I was very perplexed with mm-hmm. were his eyes. How so? They looked, um, they looked empty and uh, 
they looked actually quite creepy. Did you notice how he referred to the children, um, when, once they said the kids are missing, he started referring to the children in a past tense? Mm. Like, like, like yeah. he knew that they weren't coming back. It was mm. like, like uh, you know, the kids were great. Stuff like that. It was yeah. very, very, it felt obvious to me. So they potentially knew going in that he was guilty, right? Which means all they had to do, presumably, is make him like walk into the noose. That's all they had to do. Mm. My problem, however, is then if they knew that he was guilty, how is it okay to be that genial with him? Is there not a... Like, would that not be a bit weird? Um, well, it's a technique that um, you know they've chosen. That mm-hmm. male and female police officer, those detectives, yeah. they would have worked together as, a, as partners... And they would have a very, very deep understanding. It's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't need to look over at each other. They might, they may have a system, yeah. um, although they were sitting fairly far apart. Um, they might have something like they might tap each other under the table, your turn, my turn. But things generally sort of tend to, you get this sense when you're in a record of interview, there are only three of you. And um, it was a very, very big uh, risk to allow the offender to see his father and um was it i think so i think it was um that was a risk imagine if the father had have come in and just said to the son look um no matter what you've done son um please don't talk about it um oh, you yes, of course you know yes, he yes. could have so but because they were filming the, the meeting between the father and the son and the son made certain admissions one of the terrible things about um, this particular story, at first I thought, because the female detective, she came up with the idea that is it possible that you actually saw your wife murdering your two kids and then that was the trigger. And he then kept that thought in his mind so when the father came in and he eventually kind of half told the truth to the father Mm. he used that planted seed and he says to his father I saw her murder the two girls and in a fit of rage I murdered her I found that interesting how he would basically um, tell so he'd tell a lie and then they'd call him out on it and then he'd seed a little bit of ground and admit you know what I mean? Like he, at first they said, so um, were you cheating on the woman? And he said, no. And they proved it. And he said, well, yeah, I, I, I was cheating on her, but I didn't kill, uh, I didn't kill uh, my family. And then they said, look, we've got proof of blah. And then he said, well, yeah, I killed her, but I didn't kill them. So he kept wanting to kind of keep a safe space within the lie so that he could kind of hang on to something. But you are absolutely right. It was fascinating. They plant a seed. He walks into the room with his dad and you can see his brain just almost effortlessly kind of going, oh, yeah, but I, like, you know, she killed the kids. Uh, I killed her because she killed the kids. That was bizarre. And you know? the poor father um, believed his son. Yeah, he did. And he was really, really upset. I found that scene um, pretty depressing, but I also found it really sad that the son was lying to the father because the father yeah. obviously really loves his son. Yeah. So that was kind of really bad. But. Another thing, Paul, that um, a couple of minor things that I found slightly troubling, Mm -hmm. I've I've complimented the police in terms of um, their civility and um, and to a degree the the initial policing was fairly basic, but 
There was one comment that I objected to, and that was when the police went into the kids' bedrooms, there was a general consensus uh, from all those in the room mm-hmm. on the law enforcement side that they felt the place was a little bit too tidy. Now, yes. I think that's um, fatuous and irrelevant okay. and and just dumb. Because I thought it was I thought it was weird as well. Some people and also for the person cleaning it up to the forensics person to speculate on camera about that felt really weird. Mm, yeah, you know, all, like that's not that's not their job. No, no. So you, lots of people make make sort of suppositions, um, mm. but it was a very very. Uh, the entire process was concluded within three days. Mm-hmm. In, it was in, quick, wasn't it? In yeah. terms of, I mean, that is very very quick. Yeah. But Paul, um, one of the most distressing parts, in fact, I'm going to say this. I'm putting this out there, mm-hmm. but. For me, the most distressing scene in the entire documentary mm-hmm. is that scene of a tape measure measuring the diameter of that pipe. Oh, yes. Now, course. that pipe was at the top of one of the large oil vessels. Mm-hmm. So what I did this morning, listeners, in a macabre and somewhat bizarre sort of sequel ending to this horrific story mm-hmm. is that what I did I got out a tape measure and I measured um, various body parts now I know that I'm, you know, I'm I'm an adult male but the kids were not tiny particularly the uh, the three maybe four year old she's not, she's not a tiny tiny thing mm-hmm. and then I started to think about circumference of the uh, the skull and then more so, more, more importantly, Paul, the torso. And something that they didn't even touch on. And yes. I've done a lot of, not a lot, but I've, I've pretty well scoured the media as best I could to mm-hmm. find out and glean some of the... And there's just nothing about the forensics side of this particular story. Right. But I will... Um, I, I, I'm going to say this, that in my opinion, those young children could not possibly have been placed or pushed through or pressed through those small holes which makes me believe um, that the bodies would have been dismembered no well I just can't see how you can get a human torso through an 8 inch hole I mean you you can think about it and you can imagine and then imagine what's going through the father's mind so that then makes me feel that he is a I don't, I don't have any words. It's an absolute psychopath. I, I just, I just cannot. Uh, so he's, so he, you've got the wife. Yeah. You've got the, the unborn baby. You've got the two children. So he's murdered either three or four. Yeah. People. Yeah. Um, but, but, and then he he buried his wife in a shallow grave, and he had his daughters sitting. Fully, fully conscious and alive, yeah. Yeah. with their mother wrapped in a blanket at their feet, and the kids say to the dad, "Is mum okay?" I mean, it just—it's. But they didn't spend any time on the actual, um, the scene where he, you know, disposed of the two girls and buried the pregnant wife. 
Yeah, there was a surprising, um, I mean, you could call it tactful, but their, their willingness to kind of skirt the details whilst at the same time telling, you know, basically the whole story. Yeah. Really interesting. I mean, yeah. you could say that one picture is worth a thousand words, and I don't know, I'd, I'd be very, very curious, and I'd like to hear from the listeners um, as to what they thought and whether they paid any attention to that particular scene of the... Of the did you react to the tape measure scene? Did it, did it sort of resonate with you um weirdly the thing that and this i mean we might need to close on this because we're running out of time but the thing that really got me dad was watching watching a son an adult son tell his father who was you know a little bit older than you i would say tell his dad that he'd murdered his wife um and watching the dad have to process that because i mean i I can't imagine the burden i just felt so sorry for the dad because To, 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 to raise a kid and have them grow into an adult and have them have them have kids and then find out that everything you thought you knew about them was false. Terrifying. Um, now, listen, uh, we're going to need to wrap this up. Um, okay, cool. Unfortunately. But thank you so much for listening to this episode of Loose Ends, everyone. We had such a great time. If you want us to speculate wildly and, you know, break down some more true crime specials whether they're films or tv series or whatever we could have a crack at the staircase if you like uh, we can absolutely do that so be, yep. wouldn't that be great um but we, we miss you all terribly we can't wait to see you soon and we will see you on monday nope wrong Brilliant. day we will yeah. <laughs> we will see you on tuesday for a brand new episode of loose units dead serious fantastic all the best bye bye <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.